today is Palm Sunday. And this represents the fulfillment of our King, Jesus Christ, coming to save us. And so as we think about that and, and understanding that we were separated from God, so much so that we were in need of a Savior, we were in need of the one that would open the door, that would give us back access to the Father. And so Jesus spoke about this door in the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verse 20. And so I'd encourage you to train, turn there with me. In the book of Revelations, chapter 3, verse 20, the door of hope and what it truly means to have hope in the Lord. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. What does this mean, this door of the hope that I mentioned this morning? Before Christ came, many were waiting to be delivered, to be rescued from the bondage of sin and death. See, we understand as we look from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, God spoke and he told man that as he's given us all this provision that he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he looked at Adam and Eve and he said unto them, eat of every fruit of the garden, but of this one, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so we know that Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they ate of that fruit and they they did what God didn't ask them to do, and the Bible reminds us that they were naked and afraid. That as God came unto them, they, didn't, they hid themselves from a holy and righteous and a loving God. And so sin and death had fallen on, fallen on all of mankind. At the very beginning with Adam and Eve, they became broken. They became without hope. They were separated, even though God was still walking in the midst, they were separated from their God, their creator. And we see that so much so when they had kids, even Cain and Abel, because of this brokenness, because of this death, this sin that occurred, that Cain killed his brother Abel. And it continued on and perpetuated for years, for, for decades, for centuries, so much so that as we go down and we look in Scripture, God said, my spirit will not dwell with man forever. Because mankind had become exceedingly wicked. And so we know the flood came, and God in his infinite wisdom, desire, he didn't want to destroy all of mankind, but he knew sin was doing it anyway. But he had a remnant. Noah and his family got into the ark. And God wanted to restore man to its rightful place, to its place of relationship with them. And so they were able to start the rebuilding process, the growing process. And God, in his infinite wisdom, shared the law with them. Used Moses to pen the Mosaic law after he had brought them out of bondage because of sin and because of corruption. They had allowed themselves to already inwardly to be in bondage. 
for their disobedience over and over and over again. That they went into captivity. They were enslaved by the Egyptians. They cried out to God for deliverance. And God sent a deliverer. They were able to come out of Egypt, walk through the wilderness, and get to a point of when they were able to see some hope and see that there was possibly a promised land that God had provided for them, but they saw the raging sea. They said it was better that we had been back in that bondage of Egypt. Have you ever been there that you just kind of been going through some stuff and you can see a little light at the tunnel, but it gets a little rough, it gets a little hard, and you think it's better back in that mess? And so the Israelites were just that way. And so God decided to show them a new way. He wanted them to see the promised land. He allowed the 12 to go in, and only two came back and said, we're well able that we trust God. See, the other 10 said, we're not able. Again, they had turned away from God from trusting him. And so God allowed them to walk in the wilderness for 40 years. Even so much as he had brought them into the promised land, into Jericho, and they could see this land flowing with milk and honey, that God had allowed the nation of Israel to go out because the nation of Israel was an example of what God wanted to do for all people. That he wanted to not only deliver us, but to bring us to a land of promise and that we would trust him in it. And so we know as the story goes, they went a while longer and they didn't want God to lead. They didn't want to follow God's command and they started crying out for a king. They started crying out for another man to lead them. And so God not desiring for them to go away from him, but give them exactly what they wanted. They were given a king. And that king led them into all kind of mess. Before you know it, they had totally turned away from God. And so the kings, when they turned their heart away from God, the people turned their heart away from God. And when we turn our heart away from God, we are subject to do anything with man. And so not only did they turn away their heart from God, they turned away their heart from one another. And they started fighting and dividing. And we see in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings this division, this fracturing of these people. Because God wasn't at the center of their focus. So they divided as a kingdom. They became the north and the south, southern kingdom. And before you know it, they were warring and fighting against one another. That they themselves came into captivity. By the Assyrians first and then the Babylonians. And you will remember a time as they were going into captivity and the Lord was reminding them in the book of Chronicles that I have a restoration plan for you that I haven't forgotten about you, that I love you with an undying love. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, 
to give you a hope and a future. So even in captivity, God desired to redeem, to bring back. But as they were seeing the captivity and some of them came back and saw the destruction of of Jerusalem, the destruction of Israel, because of their sin and turning away from God, the, the leaders of old wept bitterly. They saw the burning of the city. They saw the rubble. And they immediately spoke to a reflection of their heart, that their hearts had turned away. So much so, Jeremiah, when he wrote the book of Lamentations, which means a book of lamenting, he was in anguish at how far they had turned away from God. Then he wrote these words in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 18. He said that I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. My strength. See, so often if we're not careful, just like the people of old, we can think it's all about us, that we're stronger, that we can do it all for ourselves. And so God laid out this law and laid out this command. He said, if you can do it for yourself, here you go. Follow these commands. And over and over again, we see that they fail one by one by one. We look at the book of Judges, and it reminds us that the people left God, fell into captivity, were in need of a deliverer. God sends a judge, because that word means deliverer. And they would deliver them from that captivity. They would be restored back in relationship with God. Then they'd forget about God, turn away from God, fall into captivity, in need of a deliverer. God would send a deliverer. And they would be rescued and restored. And the book of Judges gives us this scenario 12 times, over and over and over again. So that they could see with an undeniable proof their need for God and not themselves. See, that was what Adam and Eve, they chose themselves, their knowledge, their wisdom, over God's knowledge and God's wisdom. And so God allowed all this to transpire in the Old Testament for us to have undeniable proof that we cannot do it for ourselves. We can't open the door. We're in need of a Savior. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, in other words, insufficient, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Not because God wasn't ever present, but because we had pushed him out. Given us no hope. So it's important for us to talk about this today. The door of hope. Who is at that door? See, the one that comes to mind is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, it says this about the comfort of Christ's coming. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, 
concerning those who have fallen asleep. Least you sorry at sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. See, if we believe in him, as we see that scripture, he stands at the door and knock. But it's important for us to ask the question, how did Jesus Christ get to be the one standing at the door? Now, it could be obvious. We could say, well, he's God in the flesh, and you'd be absolutely right. But let's walk that journey just a little bit to have access to the throne of God. See, there was some steps that Jesus took, some steps to the door. The first one that we understand is there needed to be an anticipation of his coming. See, just like you and I, has anybody ever had somebody come to your house unannounced? Showed up when, they, when you wasn't expecting them? And if you like most of us in modern day, we got cameras, and so we can look to see who that is. Or we just don't answer the door because we're not ready. Our hair might be kind of messed up. We might be like unshaven, and, and somebody showed up unexpected. So we're not encouraged to answer the door, right? We want to just let it go by. So there needs to be some anticipation of his coming. And so we see in Zechariah in the Old Testament that was prophetic word of the coming king. If you turn with me to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation to redeem us. Lowly and riding on a donkey. Come on now. A colt, the foal of a donkey. See, we got to get our expectation right, too. Because sometimes we can expect it to be a certain way, and then when they show up, we kind of like, that wasn't what I was expecting, what I was hoping for. And so we have to get it right. See, he stepped down out of heaven. God and not robbery to be equal with us. Made of himself, no reputation. See, that leads to the next point, the steps to the door. See, he left his place to get to yours. He left his place, which is holy and righteous, perfect in every way. He left his place to come down the rubble to come down to wickedness, to come down that which was perishing, shall surely die. See, Jesus stepped down out of glory, started not robbery to be equal with man, born of a virgin, so that we would come out of darkness into the morning light. See, turn with me to Mark 4, 16. See, there was a time as I, as, as I was sharing in the Old Testament, as God had delivered them from all of their bondage, rescued them, and brought the Israelites out of bondage from 
the Assyrians and the Babylonians, that God started getting quiet. See, he had done this over and over and over again. They still didn't get it. And so God became quiet. The Bible shows us that there was about 400 years of silence. It's called the Dark Ages. See, sometimes for us to appreciate somebody, we got to miss them a little bit. You know that person you haven't seen for a while? You'd be like, man, why you ain't called me? <laughs> well, you ain't called him either. <laughs> so they stop appreciating God. God had done so much for him. God had been so good to him. And God just stepped back a little bit. And they saw. And so there was this longing. There was this crying out. Matthew 4, verse 16 tells us this. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung when Jesus was born, there was light that came into the world. There was this light that was missing. There was this darkness that overshadowed everything, but Jesus brought a great light. We also see in the book of John, the third chapter, verse 19, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now, that don't even pass the common sense test, doesn't it? Nobody really in their right mind likes darkness, unless you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, unless you're trying to be sneaky. And so it was so important for the heart to be transformed, to see that light. And the damaging effects of sin and death of darkness. And so God was patient in his wisdom to allow us to get to the point of seeing that we needed and desired and hoped for the light. And so it's important to have an anticipation of his coming. That Jesus left his place to get to yours. And then point three, he traveled a mighty long way. <laughs> See, when we have somebody come into our house, and sometimes we think about how far they have to travel to get there, and we'll probably cook a meal or we get something ready or we'll prepare a little bit because we know that there was a journey, that there was a process to get there. See, he lived amongst us. He was acquainted with our sorrows. He just didn't do a quick in and out. But he was willing to get on the journey with us to see our sorrows, to understand the iniquity of this world. He was tempted just like us, but without sin. And so John started yelling. Y'all know that crazy John. I ain't talking about the dignified John. I'm talking about the crazy one. 
the one that started yelling in the wilderness that was wearing animal skin. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away. Turn your hearts to the Lord. Be expecting. Have an excited anticipation. Understand that the journey is long. And so get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Turn your hearts towards him. Because he's traveling a mighty long way to rescue you. Then we come to why this day is so impactful to remember this Palm Sunday. See, he's coming from not our country, not our state, not our city. He's on the journey. We see an illustration of Jesus entering into the city. See, the people were waiting, anticipating the coming king. Jesus, God the Father, knew the appropriate time. He waited for the hearts to be turned, for people to be ready, to be so fed up with themselves that they would seek a Savior. And Jesus entered into that holy city of Jerusalem on the festival day of the Passover week as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you go there with me and mark the 11th chapter, verse 7 and 8? See, they so anticipated that God would send the King. That as he was entering the city on that colt, on that donkey, the word of God says this in verse 7 and 8. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. The disciples put their garments. And he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way as he came into the city. They took off their coats and their garments. They put off the things of this world. Not my will, but your will be done. They laid it down. And others cut down branches off the trees and straw and strayed them in the way. They put the palm trees down, representing we know that you are a king, that you are holy and righteous in this triumphal entry of Jesus Christ coming in, finally acknowledging and following Christ as King and Lord. This act of taking off and putting their clothes before him said, we're not high. You're high. We're not kings and masters of ourselves. You are. And so Palm Sunday, with the entering of Jesus into Jerusalem, we see the culmination of his purpose and plan. That they would see their king. They would see their Lord and put off this world. 
See, the placing of the garments and the branches on the ground signifies those who lose their lives to save it. They put off the garment of the former behavior of the old man by divesting themselves of the envy and strife and hatred that they may put on Christ. Divest themselves of all of that. Repent. Turn away. To put on Christ, to put on the robe of righteousness, to trust him who comes to close, uh, clothe us with the garments of salvation in order to enter into the joy of what we hear, not just be hearers of it, to be doers, to not just hear but see. I love what Job said. He said, I've heard you with the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. And I repent, a sorrowful repentance. See, saints of God, those that may, if, you, if you're not sure of your salvation, today is the day of salvation. We must lose our own thoughts. We must lose our own ways for his thoughts and for his ways. To trust him. He is the only way. So many before us have tried it over and over and over and over again, and it didn't work. Look with me in Mark, the 11th chapter, verse 9 and 6. It says this, and they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. In the highest, God save us. See, the word Hosanna comes from the Hebrew word meaning save now or save us, we pray. The first word of Psalms 118.25 is save us. And the crowd's use of this word at the triumphal entry was significant, especially as they waved palm branches. Save us, Lord. Save us. Only you can. You are king. You are Lord. By saying Hosanna as Jesus passed through the gates of Jerusalem and referring to David and David's kingdom, the Jews were acknowledging Jesus as their Messiah. No longer do we cry out for a king that's a man, but we come out crowd for a king that's God. We repent and turn away from our ways. And we turn to you. The Jews had been waiting a long time for the fulfillment of this Davianic covenant. And their shouts of Hosanna in the highest indicated the hope that their Messiah had finally come to set up God's kingdom then and there and be victorious over the enemy. To set up God's kingdom. Because Jesus did it all. He went into the city. See, in that city, there was a prison sin and death that was holding 
each and every one of us captive. And the benefactor, the one who owned all of the slaves, was demanding a high price, a kingly ransom. Christ walked into that city. He rode into that city as king to pay the ultimate price to set us free. To break the chains that held us captive. And so he knew that once he did that, he wasn't going to force any of those captives to come out. He wasn't going to pull them out and make it where they needed or they had to be free, but that they desired to be free. They desired him. And so in Revelations, we see these words. Behold, do you know that I've been thinking about you? That I desire that you would be saved, that you wouldn't die and perish in your trespasses and sins, and that, yes, God is judging sin in the flesh, but he never desired to judge you and I under condemnation. But that we would be with Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, and be judged according to the reward that God has for us. And so Jesus is standing. He's standing at the door. He's knocking. Have you been anticipating him? Have you been longing for him? Did you expect him to come? Has he entered in the city that you would say, Hosanna? In the highest, save us, Lord. If any man hear my voice, see, the reality of it is that so many of us aren't hearing. That word hear means shema. It means to listen intently and to respond. It's an action word. It's not just to hear it. It goes in one ear and out the next. It's not just a, a feel-good moment or that we come to church and we check the block but that we would respond to the voice of the Lord. And he says, and open the door. And the very first thing that Jesus does is he's come in to him. He wants to come into our house. He wants to sup with us. He wants to be with us. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. See, we overcome by the blood of the lamb what Jesus Christ did. And the word of our testimony that Jesus Christ came unto me. That he set me free. That no longer am I in chains to this world. But whom the son sets free is free. Free indeed. 
and that we can walk in newness of life and glorify him all of our